Welcome back to a brand new episode of Real Talk About Feminism podcast. This is Ken's for our new listeners. And in case you don't recognize my voice, it's kind of weird right now because I'm not with my co-host, Haley. (laughs) We recorded this episode fully and completely forgot to record the intro. So as I'm editing, (laughs) I am recording our introduction. I'm going to introduce our guest for today. Her name is Jennifer Banish. She's a former professor of English and creative writing. She is the author of Silent Alarm, which was a finalist for the American Library Association's Best Fiction for Young Adults. She's also the author of White Lines, Simply Irresistible, Into Deep, and The Elite. Jennifer is also the former co-founder and editor of Impetus Press, which was a small independent publishing house that championed works of literary fiction with a pop edge. Her latest novel, The Rise and Fall of Ava Arcana, was on Amazon First Read, garnering over 2,000 reviews. We had such a fun conversation with Jennifer. We talked about a few different things, kind of jumped around a little bit, but some major topics we focused on were the importance of female friendships and why they're so meaningful. And we talked about Jennifer's journey as an author overall and her experience in the publishing industry, especially as a woman. So stay tuned for this interview. We're super excited to bring it to you and let us know what you think by joining our discussion and clicking that link for that form in our show notes. You can also find all of Jennifer's information in the show notes as well. Here is the interview. Welcome to Real Talk About Feminism. We're so happy to have you on today. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. So you are a four-time author, correct? No, actually, I just finished my eighth book. Eighth book? I'm so (laughs) sorry. That's so exciting. Yeah, let's double that. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) So let's start a little bit by you going through your journey as an author, like from your first book to your eighth book now. What are some things that you've learned? Like, what's been your favorite thing about that journey? It's funny because I really never set out to be an author. It was just kind of like something that fell into my, I mean, I always wrote, but it was mostly poetry. And then, um, you know, when I was, I I was getting my graduate degree, um, I was also working um, with my partner at the time. We had like our own press and we were publishing Um, other people's books. And I had just written a novel and, you know, um, we put that out and, but I wasn't really, you know, planning on doing it kind of as a career. And then, so one of the authors that we ended up publishing um, also worked as like a ghostwriter to kind of like survive. And he was a ghostwriter for um, I don't know if you remember this. It was like a spin. It was a young adult series. It was like a spinoff of Gossip Girl called the It Girl. And so like he was the It Girl. He wrote all these books. Oh. Um, and one day he called me up and was like, they're looking for somebody to take over ghostwriting Gossip Girl. So if you don't know Gossip Girl, you know, before it was a TV show, it was a huge YA series of books. And um, and they were most of them were ghostwritten. And, and I was like, well, why are you calling me? And he was like, well, I think you'd be great at it. And I was just like, look, dude, I have never ghostwritten in my life. Um, I don't write for kids. I have no idea. Like, he was like, no, no, no. You grew up on the Upper East Side. You know, Manhattan, you'll be perfect. And I was just like, 
all right. And then literally I wrote a sample chapter and the next thing I knew there was like a contract in my inbox. And um, so, you know, I worked on the Gossip Girl series. And then after that, an editor, you know, it's just, it was, you know, I had to sign an NDA. I can talk about it now. I had to sign an NDA at the time, but publishing is kind of like a small world and, you know, word gets around. And an editor from Penguin got in touch with me and was like, you know, I saw what you did over at Gossip Girl and really liked it. And um, why don't you write a series for us under your own name? And I was like, well, <laughs> I've never really Whoa. thought about this before, wow. but okay. Um, so, you know, I did this three book series um, called The Elite. And, um, you know, after that, um, I, you know, moved to a different division of Penguin and did two standalone young adult novels. Um, and then I had a baby and a full-time job and just didn't really write for a while. I was ghostwriting and editing um, and working as a teacher. And I just, I didn't, my creative well was sort of dry. Um, Cause you know, there's just like only so much of you to really go along uh, yeah. around. And I took um, probably around a five year hiatus where I just really worked on other people's stuff and, you know, as an editor and didn't work on mine. And um, right before it was really funny. Like I always tell people this, like, um, never burn bridges because everyone that you have a relationship with, it always sort of comes full circle, you know? And so I hadn't talked to anybody at Alloy Entertainment, you know, the company that handles Gossip Girl and lots of other um, books. I hadn't talked to them in like 15 years. And right before the pandemic hit, um, I had moved back to New York. I had been living elsewhere. I moved back to New York. Um, and, um, I was working, um, running a ghostwriting agency, running the fiction division of a ghostwriting agency. But again, I wasn't working on my own stuff. But part of my job was I had to like reach out and try to see if like, you know, places like Warner Brothers, which, you know, Alloy is like a division of Warners, like places like that would work with us and, you know, funnel work to clients um, and vice versa. Right. So I reached out to them and I was just like, hey, I know it's been 15 years. Um, and I really expected them to be like, we have no idea who you are. Right? <laughs> um, but, you know, I immediately got this email back and they were like, oh, my God, come in. We want to see you. We want to have a meeting. Yeah. And I went in and they kind of explained to me that, like, they don't really deal with ghostwriting anymore. And I was sitting there like, OK, well, <laughs> why am I here? Um, and they were like, well, what we do now is we take authors who have had, you know, some success. They've published four or five books. They've had some success, but they haven't really had their big sort of hit and you know we kind of propel them further and I was like oh that sounds great and they're like and we really want to work with you <laughs> I was like oh okay um but then COVID hit and everything mm -hmm. shut down and so months passed you know it was like three three or four months and I finally got an email from them and they were like oh my god are you alive because um, I got COVID in March, 2020. I was like oh, no. really oh, no. early um, because I lived in New York city and um, you know, it was just, it was everywhere and nobody knew. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately I got long COVID. So um, I was really sick. I was sick for like six months. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was rough, but you know, it's funny because during that time they got back in touch with me and they were just like, do you want to do a book? And I really had to think about it because, um, you know, I was sort of terrified that if I started working in earnest again, that I was going to get sicker. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, I said that I would try and um, I wrote a few chapters of what became Ava. And um, that was really it. 
And so I wrote the book and um, thankfully my long COVID sort of dissipated along the way. And um, a year later, you know, we sold the book. Wow. What a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy story. Yeah. But it's like, but that's why I always tell like young writers, please don't burn your bridges because you'll meet somebody and like 15 years later, they'll be kind of like, you know, back in your life and um, important in a big way. So, um, you know, I've, I've kind of seen it happen over and over again, not just to me. The writing world is just so small. You run into the same people over and over again. That's wow. so crazy because there's so many authors. Yeah, and so Ava sold a two book deal and then I just finished, um, I just finished a new book that's coming out in September. Wow. That's so exciting. It really sounds like yeah. everything worked out so well. Like, even though it was yeah. over so many years, everything came full circle. It all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was interesting, too, because, like, you know, when I stopped writing, I didn't really want to write young adult anymore. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to move into the adult marketplace. And I was able to kind of do that with, you know, Ava and then this new book that that I've just um, finished. So um, that was like an important jump for me, too. So if you, I know this is kind of like choosing a favorite child, but if you had to choose a favorite book that you've written, which one would it be? Man, it's hard. It's hard. Um, Yeah, it's really hard. Like my novel White Lines is about, you know, like a girl growing up in the 80s in Manhattan who becomes a club kid and like is never home and has this really like awful family life, but has this incredible like circle of friends that she depends on. And it's very much based on um, kind of my own background. And so in a way that book is sort of like my favorite child. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, I think if I had to like pick, you know, ultimately out of, out of all of them, I would say that the novel that I just finished, um, which is called the essential Elizabeth stone. And again, will come out in September. Yeah. I love that question. Um, I want to touch a little bit on some female friendships. So do you implement female friendship storylines and like the importance of that in your novels? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I always tell people that in, you know, in the rise and fall of Ava Arcana, um, the big romance in the book, you know, really isn't between um, the, the male characters and the female characters. It's really between Lexa and Avi, and sorry, Lexi and Ava, um, because I just there's there's such a purity to their friendship that that it's just like, you know, it's just it would be so different if it was a friendship between a man and a woman. And female friendships are hugely important in my life. Like my girlfriends are, um, you know, my lifeline, <laughs> literally everything. Um, and, you know, I'm always really interested in sort of like the complexity and intensity of female friendships um, and how they're they're different, you know, than friendships, you know, heterosexual friendships between men and women, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. One of my favorite shows is Jane the Virgin. And I think I love that show so much because the main love story is like the main character and her mom and her grandma. It's not like her husband or her boyfriends. Yeah. It's the female friendships and relationships in her life. And I think that's so important. And I love seeing that highlighted because a lot of times it is like strictly romantic relationships or like platonic between men and women. For sure. I mean, like, I always joke to my editors that I'd prefer that men don't even appear in my book. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't go over real well with marketing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I say go for it. But, like, yeah. I can get away with it. 
Yeah. I mean, if I could get away with it, I would. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's this whole movement now around like decentering men, you know, which, which I find really interesting. Like it's very big on TikTok, like where women have just, you know, deleted all their dating apps and they're just decentering men. They're focusing on themselves and they're focusing on their female friendships. Yes. I think that's a great thing going into the new year. I love that trend that, cause I've seen it recently on TikTok too. Yeah. And just like the self-love journey, the relying on your girlfriends and just like, I don't know. I just love the vibe. I think it's just so different. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. I think as women, like we're not really taught that, or at least I wasn't, you know, that it was okay to decenter man. It was okay to focus on yourself and, and not, and that it's not selfish, you know, to do that. You know, the personal growth is important. And a lot of times that growth can't really happen when you're like a meshed with another person in a um, committed relationship. Exactly. That's a huge lesson that I've learned. Like, in my like high school, college, like early twenties. Um, but definitely like not prioritizing a romantic relationship with a man. Like I feel like my relationship now with my boyfriend is very strong because we both have our own friend group and our own friends. And like my relationships with my girlfriends have gotten so much better, like weirdly as I've been dating this person. And I think it, like it really has benefited my life so much more than when I was just like very codependent with a man. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's super important, I think, to have your own interests and have your own life and um, not build your, you know, not build a home in somebody else. You know, you have to like build your home in yourself. Yeah. And different people can, I guess like for lack of a better word, like give us different things in life. Like we shouldn't depend on a romantic partner for everything. everything. We need to have different people that we can like do different types of activities with and have different conversations. And it is really limiting if you're attached to one person. And typically that's like a heterosexual relationship with a man. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, like, do you have male friends like who are just platonic male? I really don't like I'll like in a group (laughs) setting, like hang out with like our girlfriends, boyfriends, but like not really any of my own. Yeah. I do. I mean, there's. I have age-old argument: men and women can't yeah. be friends, right? Yeah, it is hard. It's a different. <laughs> it's a different dynamic because I have um, one of my best friends is a guy, and he like I do have a different relationship with him versus my girlfriends. Both of them are really strong and sure. really good, but it it's different. So yeah, I like how you highlighted we get different things from different people, so we can't just rely on one person. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's sort of essential. And I think we get different things from our female friendships than we do, you know, anyplace else, really, um, as women. But I mean, I feel like it's a fraught topic, because if you ask a lot of women about female friendships, you'll get like you'll get a lot of different answers, yeah. right? Um, like, people think that female friendships are just completely fraught, right? Um, and, you know, they're, I've experienced that as, as well. But um, you know, it's not, it's, it's not across the board. I think friendships between women are complicated and really complex um, and not easily kind of like definable, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can look so different with like having multiple friend groups, even with like different interests. 
um, it's very interesting. You do hear a lot of different responses because there's some women who are like, I'm, I've never been friends with other girls. Like I've only had guy friends. Yeah. And you also hear yeah. like, like me, like I've never really had male platonic friends. Like that's just not been my path in life really. Um, but it is very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. Have you ever, or can you speak on your experience as a woman in the publishing industry specifically? Like, have you ever felt discriminated against or like sexism? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, not particularly in terms of like my publishing career. Have I been discriminated like and harassed in the workplace? Like when I was like a teacher and teaching, you know, like I was teaching creative writing classes and things like that. Absolutely. Right. Um, but not in the, not that it doesn't exist in the publishing industry. It does, but I just, I worked with all women. So, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I can't really speak to, you know, I mean, and that's not to say that, you know, women don't do these things either. Like sometimes they do, but, um, that just wasn't my experience, you know, like all my editors have been, uh, female. We, you know, most of the people that I've worked with in publicity have been female. Um, publishing is a really woman centric occupation. And it really makes sense when you look at it, because if you look at like what jobs in publishing pay, I mean, it's right. It's worse than being a teacher. Oh my gosh. That's horrible. Yeah, like if you're starting out editor living in New York City, you'll make like maybe forty thousand dollars a year. Oh my god, maybe a little bit more. I mean, and that's like that's just you know peanuts that's here. Yeah, peanuts that's anywhere, right? And work and work, and it's not like you know you'll you're doing like two things. You'll you know, be working till like midnight, um, reading manuscripts for your boss and whatever. So it's just another one of these professions that's completely underpaid. Um, and that, you know, is mostly staffed by women. That is very interesting. Tells you yeah, that does say a lot. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. It's 2023 and it's time to really prioritize our mental health this year. No matter where you are in life, everyone can benefit from therapy. Whether you need to work through trauma or just need a safe person to talk to, BetterHelp is here for you. BetterHelp is the world's largest online therapy service. Get matched with a professional licensed therapist in your state who you can trust. BetterHelp has options to communicate with your therapist via chat, email, or video, and you can message them at any time to get help. BetterHelp is giving our listeners 10% off if you sign up using the link in our show notes. If you're struggling with depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, or just need someone to talk to, try BetterHelp today by clicking the link in our show notes or go to betterhelp.com slash rtafpod to get 10% off today. But there are men, I mean, there are men in publishing, you know, editors and, you know, who have been in really high positions. Um, you know, there was just this, that list that came out, I think it was like 2019. I don't know if you saw this, but it was a really big deal. It was like called like shitty men in publishing. Oh. Um, and yeah, and so it was basically like when, you know, it came out around like Me Too, like around the time oh, Me Too okay. broke, maybe earlier than that. Yeah. So it was like during the Me Too movement, somebody went on and like anonymously published this list of shitty men in publishing. Wow. And um, yeah, like men who had um, harassed women, men who had um, crossed the line. And, you know, these were like very big people. Yeah. Wow. I Yeah. But, I mean, I just don't have that experience because I just I work with all women. 
I've all, I've always historically worked with women and it hasn't even been like a choice. It's just how it's right. worked out. Right. I feel the same way in my work experience. I've pretty much been surrounded by women. Like I mm-hmm. don't really have many male coworkers right now and I kind of like it. Right. <laughs> like sometimes it's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a safe bubble. It's <laughs> you know? safe. Yeah. <laughs> You know what you're in. Exactly. Well, that's, I think that's why, I think that's why the, I saw a lot of people online talking about um, going to see, you know, Taylor Swift on the Eras tour and talking about how it was the first time, like women talking about how it was the first time they felt safe yeah, at a concert yes. because there were really almost no men. Yeah. They were like talking about how like amazing it was to like go to the bathroom oh. there and there were like women in the all complimenting each other and lifting each other up. And um, it was just this predominantly mostly female space Um, and how, you know, safe that made them feel. I love that. that. I love that energy. Yeah. I feel like we need more of that energy in general. Like, okay. I'm, that's reminding me of like uh, the bathroom at a bar. Like every, every girl's drunk, but everyone's just like so nice. And like, so friendly and it's like the best vibe like I feel like we need more of that like there's so much going on in the world there it's just life is hard and the female friendships and like the female support and sisterhood like in general even just to strangers like I love that and I feel like we need to embrace that more and I don't know just connect Yeah. I mean, it's really funny. I always think about like this story, like a few years ago, I was walking down the street with a girlfriend of mine here in New York and I was like complaining about my boyfriend, you know, as we do. Right. And, um, so I was like walking and complaining and there was this woman who was walking just a little bit ahead of us. And, you know, all of a sudden she turns around, you know, I'm like deep into my (laughs) rant. And so like, she turns around and she looks at me and goes, girl, Like this total stranger in like midday in like midtown Manhattan. I love it. Just like girl, (laughs) which I thought was hilarious. And then you know, and and I went home and I thought, yes, right, yes. Like absolutely, will dump this guy. I love that. It's so funny. That's what we need. Yes, yes. I feel like that's the core of like feminine energy. Yes, like just being there for like all women, no matter where you are, what time of day, who you're with. I love that. I do too. But like without stereotyping, it just doesn't seem like men relate to each other yes, in this way. Yeah. Like talking about male, male friendships and male interactions like among themselves. Like I've never heard like a male friend of mine tell a story like that. Like where a guy just interjected into like a conversation, you know, um, that that like him and a male friend were having. Like it's just such a female thing, you know. <laughs> I love it. So <laughs> hilarious. Well, have you ever felt confined? during the writing process with like people giving suggestions, but also kind of dictating like, Hey, you should write this. Like, for example, I I came across a TikTok of a female author (laughs) who was like, I have been pushed into writing romance, but I don't want to write romance anymore. Like that kind of narrative. Have you experienced that? Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, I think like my agent's really my agents are like with Warner Brothers so um you know they're really kind of like invested in what's marketable you know um so you know they want everything I write to be like super marketable so it can be sold to tv you know immediately um 
And so there, you know, when I, when it came time to write the book that I just finished, um, I really did not want to like write a love story in any way, shape or form. I just was not feeling it at the time. I was like going through a breakup. I was just like, just, <laughs> it's, it's not, don't want to do it. okay. And you know, all I kept hearing was, yeah, but you're so good at it. You're so, so good at it. And like, you know, it's, it's just marketable and you're just so great at it. And finally I just like snapped and I was like, I'm great in bed too. Should I be <laughs> I mean, it's true, <laughs> you know, like, so yeah. Absolutely. You know, like, absolutely. You hear this stuff. And you know, the interesting thing was, it's like my whole team is female. So you get that. It doesn't matter what gender, you know, it's all about the marketability right. of the thing. Yeah. You know, like, it wasn't like it was a bunch of guys telling me right. to do this. Um, it was like women being like, women love love stories. We need to give them give more romance in this book. And I was just like, <laughs> now. Um, but, you know, you, you find some sort of middle ground, you know, you, you find some, you hopefully find some sort of middle ground. Right. Um, really, really adamant that, like, my protagonist does not end up with a man at the end of the book. And I yes. got the West, you know, uh, you make compromises, yes. you know. It was really important to me that she ends up independent and running her own life and finally knowing who she is and not involved with oh, a man. I, I'm so excited. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very excited. Up. <laughs> it, yeah it's called um the essential elizabeth stone and it comes out in september awesome. it's going on my goodreads yes <laughs> um, <laughs> you mentioned that like it's not gendered like pe- like men specifically being like hey you're a woman so you should write romance for example that's just the industry is what i'm hearing like that's what society has been like that's what society wants and so they're just catering to that but I like that you you like set boundaries about like no this is my book like I want this element in there yeah and I mean they always couch it in that way where they're like and of course Jen this is your book like you write what you want but (laughs) you know like there's always like a caveat you know but we'd really like to see more of this or maybe it would be more marketable if we went in this direction so um yeah I mean you get pushed all the time it's just whether or not as a writer you want to make those compromises and I'm I'm sort of careful about the compromises that I that I choose to make at this point in my career that's good I think obviously like it's a business it's a job so there are going to be concerns about like marketability and is this going to sell but I think like setting those boundaries is good and if that's how you want your character to end up at the end then that's how she's going to end up and I love that yeah and it's like well if you don't want to publish it you don't have to you know like I can just you know take it to another house that's true (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think it's like, you know, the business itself wants to make authors feel like they're sort of powerless and at the mercy of this giant machine, which is publishing. But if you're smart, you figure out a way to kind of like exist in that machine without um, making too many compromises or losing who you are as as an as an artist. Yeah, because that's kind of like the music business, you know, it's like kind of like when I wrote Ava, which is like a book that um, takes place, you know, in the music industry, it was like alarming to me how many parallels there were, um, between that industry and publishing. I mean, any industry where you're an artist is going to be about exploitation, right? Um, as a woman, you just have to, 
you, you get exploited more than most. So you just, <laughs> you have to be cognizant of that and you really have to be aware. Yeah, that is very common in the music industry, which makes me so sad because we, I love creativity. Like I love originality. I don't want people to ever like be put in a box. And I feel like that happens a lot with like anything media related. So I love that this book coming out has more elements. Like it's probably going to pass the Bechdel test. (laughs) I love that aspect of it. So do you have any advice or tips for either like young authors? I know you said to not burn bridges, but young authors or just young creators who are trying to pursue their dreams? Oh boy. Yeah, it's good you didn't ask me this question like a year ago because I probably would have been like, I, I probably would have been like quit writing. Do anything else. And, you know, it is something that I, I still do tell, like when I teach, I still do tell my students, you know, like if you can do anything else reasonably well, do that. Like, don't do this. Write if you're called to write and there's mm-hmm. no choice for you. Like, this is literally the only thing that I'm good at. Um, you know, if I, besides teaching really, but it's really, you know, that's all the same thing. It all feeds into each other. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you go through periods in your career where you become really sort of like disillusioned and cynical. And I think I was in one of those periods a year ago. Um, and, um, you know, thankfully, thankfully I, I, I feel I feel better about things now, but um, you know, I would, I would, I would honestly say though, like, if you're not really called to do this, like if it isn't a burning passion for you, or if what you really want is validation and not to be a good writer, like you want to be told you're a good writer, but you're not really interested in being a good writer, then this probably isn't the right career for you because you don't really get anything out of like, nobody is like coming, you know, you don't come home and like, people are like, wow, you did a great job on that novel. Like you don't, besides hearing from readers and, you know, reviews and things like that, there really is, there's really no payoff in this business. You know, if you're lucky and you get a seven figure deal, okay, sure. But then you have to worry about your next book, right? Is that going to pay you seven figures historically? No, not unless you're like Stephen King or something um, or JK Rowling. Um, so I would say to young creators, like, if you really want to do this, make sure it's like you're eating, breathing and sleeping it. Like there's no other option for you. Um, you have to really want it because again, there, there isn't the kind of payoff where like, you know, you work in finance, right. And you retire right. when you're 35, like there's mm-hmm. none of that. Right. Um, and there's really no retiring. Like writing is, if you're a real writer, writing is what you do till you drop dead. And not because you're forced to, but because, again, there's no choice. There's always mm-hmm. another story to tell, right? Um, so, I mean, I would say to young writers, you have to really want it. You have to really want it. And you have to be patient. Like, I find with a lot of, like, young writers, um, I don't know if it's, like, growing up with, like, Instagram or whatever. Like, they want everything mm-hmm. right yeah. away. And a writing career generally doesn't work like that. You know, I've like been in this business almost 20 years and like, I'm finally, um, you know, selling enough copies where, you know, people are like, oh, she's successful. Um, it takes a lifetime. It's a lot of work. And so, you know, that would be like my other, you know, piece of advice would be like, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. 
That's good advice. I think that's applicable to a lot of things. Like find your passion. And when you find what you're really passionate about, pursue that. And, but like, it is hard. And we feel that with our podcast because podcasting is a long game unless you're an influencer and you start a podcast and you already have followers. Um, and so like, yeah, like I feel like we can relate to that too. We haven't been in it as long as you have, but like, if you're very passionate about it, it doesn't matter what validation you're going to get because you're not going to get a billion reviews. You're not going to get all this recognition, all this engagement right away. It comes very slowly and you have to build upon it. So like, if you're not passionate about it, you're not going to last. So I think that's really great advice. Yeah. And also, yeah. And also the only, the only other thing I would say is don't ever read. Oh yeah. I bet that would be tough. (laughs) No, I never do. Like the rise and fall of Ava Arcana has, I think like something like 3,600 reviews, maybe more. I don't even know at this point. Um, and I I haven't, I haven't read a single one. (laughs) All I look at Mm. is the star rating. It's 4.2. I love that. Yes. That's easier to digest. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. An old mentor of mine told me that because I I read my reviews religiously in my first, you know, three books. And I was constantly just like a blubbering mess over them. You know, like a lot of them were good, but the thing about us writers is we'll find the one bad review and Mm. we'll fixate on that. You know, um, every writer I know does this and that this is why if you're smart, you just don't. Yeah, it's not worth it. It really isn't. And then that's going to hinder your next book and your future work potentially. And you don't want that. No, I mean, like the biggest piece of advice I tell, you know, other writers who have just finished like their first book is like the minute that you finish a book, start working on a new one. You finish Mm -hmm. that other one, you're done. Start working on something new. Put your attention there. And that way, when the book comes out, you're not you're not over invested right. in the outcome. You're already working on something else. You've already I like moved that. On. That is very good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I try. Well, Jennifer, before we close, I want to give you the opportunity to share anything else with our audience. If you want to share where they can connect with you and find you on socials, that would be awesome too. Yes. Okay, so um, I am on Instagram at J Banish, so J and then my last name. Um, the Rise and Fall of Ava Arcana is for sale everywhere. Easiest place to do to get it is Amazon, of course. Um, but you can you can get it anywhere. Um, and then you know I'm on Threads. I'm on X. Yeah. What is Twitter now X. I mean I don't even use. It. <laughs> yeah, don't look don't look for me on X. I'm really not there. Um, I'm there in theory. It's like Ghost Jennifer, but I'm not really there. Um, and then like, you know, I have like a thousand year old Facebook, you know, account. So if you like really, you know, need to, need to hunt me down there, I'm, I'm there too. Um, but yeah, best way to kind of like follow me is Instagram or, you know, you know, a lot of readers DM me and, you know, want to talk about the book and I always love that. So if you've, if you've read Ava or any of my other books and you want to talk about it. I love that. And we'll put everything in the show notes so that people can find you super easily. Yep. Oh, cool. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great conversation. So fun. And so nice talking with you. Having fun.